This is one of the largest disenfranchised populations in, in the nation. And for this conversation, I guess the better way to look at that is that is a large untapped applicant pool. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. This episode is brought to you by Workstep, a software provider that helps companies hire and retain their frontline workforce across the supply chain. Visit workstep.com to learn more. What comes to mind when you hear the word disability? Maybe someone in a wheelchair or a person that's hearing impaired? But what if I told you that almost 20% of the U.S. population qualifies as having some type of disability, whether that be physical or mental? Today, my guest will explain why the disabled population in our country and beyond often faces an uphill battle for employment and advancement in their careers. He'll talk about what his organization is doing to combat that, and he'll also tell you what you as a manufacturing leader can do to change the lives of a large segment of our population that's hungry to work without making any kind of sacrifice to the growth and success of your business. Let me introduce him. Tony Lopez oversees multiple lines of business at Pride Industries, including electronics and medical device manufacturing, supply chain logistics, and contract packaging and fulfillment. Tony also leads the business development team, which is charged with growing Pride Industries within existing markets and leading the company's expansion into new market segments. In his role, Tony proactively identifies areas where Pride Industries can provide additional value to customers as well as create more employment opportunities for people with disabilities. Tony regularly devotes time to serving others in his community. He has served on the board of the Sacramento Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and is a former board member of the Sacramento Metro Chamber of Commerce. He's also president for the Wheatland Union High School Board of Trustees, an elected official, and is a senior fellow with the American Leadership Forum Mountain Valley Chapter. In 2020, he was selected to serve on the Grants Committee for the Placer Community Foundation. Tony pursued a BS in Biological Sciences from St. Mary's College of California before transferring to California State University, Sacramento to pursue a BS degree in Business Administration. He has more than 25 years of experience in operations and is APICS CPIM certified. Tony's hobbies include sports photography, weightlifting, and running. Tony, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. You bet. It's a pleasure to have you here. I love the topic we're going to get into today and, um, and I'm excited to get inside your brain here. So why don't we, let's just get right into it here, Tony. I, I think that people tend to have their own preconceived notions about what the word disability means. And I'd like to start by having you kind of set the stage for this conversation by giving your definition for context. Yeah, sure. So I, I think there, there is still a tendency to think of disability to be a, a visible thing. The truth of the matter is having a disability is a very broad concept used to cover both visible and invisible forms of the word. 
people have disabilities ranging from developmental and intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, and even mental health and, and learning disorders. And what people don't think about is that individuals can be both born having these disabilities and can develop them over the course of their lifetime. We tend to overlook those who may, as an example, have a a traumatic life experience and have become disabled during that course of that that, uh, lifetime, but still need to earn a paycheck and support themselves and their family. Uh, It may be a little harder to, to do certain things that they're used to, but there's still a person there that has skills and experience and, and wants and needs to be valued and employed. Uh, there are obviously other subgroups that have barriers to employment that also have some form or level of disabilities that include service-disabled veterans, former foster youth, and trafficking survivors. Uh, all that to say, Joe, I think there's a, a broad definition of the term and that people don't really always realize. Yeah, I think that's great. Really helpful for context. I think, you know, that word probably just naturally means different things to different people. But when you consider all the different things that disability can mean, I imagine it's a pretty large percentage of the population, actually, or at least much larger than people realize. Absolutely. I think in the U.S. today, there's over 60 million total people in the U.S. that have a disability. And uh, if you break that down, that's almost one in five people. So most individuals that you talk to have experience in working with, living with, or have family members that that have some form of a disability. I've had quite a few guests on the show, Tony, who have talked about addressing the labor shortage, which is on everybody's mind over the last few years here and is not going to, you know, doesn't appear to be getting much better, but Hmm. uh, talking about it but, you know, reaching different groups within our population that really aren't well represented in manufacturing. Sure. And, you know, I've had people talk about youth, bringing the youth and, you know, the emerging workforce into manufacturing, women, African-Americans. I'm curious what you have to say about the disabled population in the U.S. as a potential group that the manufacturing sector can embrace and, and frankly, reach out to. Yeah. So that that last statistic I threw out there, the 60 million plus is is total, right? But if you kind of break this thing down, today, there are approximately 30 million of that number that are of working age. And of that number, close to 75% are unemployed. Uh, This is one of the largest disenfranchised populations in, in the nation. And for this conversation, I guess the better way to look at that is that is a large untapped applicant pool, right? That's something that everybody, to your point, has said they've struggled with trying to find qualified candidates to fill openings. I think there's been a big focus on diversity inclusion and and also kind of alternative workforce strategies. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's trying to fill their roles. And I think one of the things that I've noticed here in kind of my capacity within the industry is the inclusion comment, right? Not quite sure how to accomplish that, right? Companies have desires to do so. But how do you really go about doing it? That's kind of where organizations that employ people with disabilities can, can really help. We all want to have opportunities to further our skill sets. We all want opportunities to, to earn a paycheck. Uh, it's just how do you kind of connect those dots from those that have the need and those that have the abilities? I think those are kind of the, the points at which we really need to hone in on and figure out how to solve. Yeah, well said. Tony, you you told me when we were prepping for this conversation that sometimes when in a job interview, when someone states they have a disability, you'll see the face of the interviewer immediately change as if eh, this interview is kind of over now. What kind of discrimination do you see happening out there? 
Yeah. So it's not, to your point, uncommon to hear those stories. Uh, individuals are going out there looking to interview uh, for an organization or perhaps a promotion within an organization. And the moment that a disability is disclosed or, or the interviewer knows that the person has a disability, it changes the tone of the interview, right? And that's not necessarily inherent discrimination. It's just people don't know what it means to work with a person with a disability. I have a, a personal experience where I have a younger brother that is hearing impaired. And uh, he's had a very, very hard time, Joe, trying to find competitive employment. This is a person, this young man has two degrees. He's got two bachelor degrees and he's passed over time and time again. And again, it's not outright because you've got a disability. It's more of how do you integrate? That's, that's challenging for us. We're not quite sure how to go about doing that. Uh, another close to home example is uh, an individual that, that shared a story with me that he was trying to get promoted. He was working in a, a production work cell. And he had tried several different times to get promoted, and, and they were turned down every time. He had a, an intellectual disability. And the response to him is, we don't know if you could take on additional responsibilities. And that really hit home. He's like, well, then I'm really limited in my, my progression here at this organization. Now, fast forward a, a couple years, I do know that this gentleman, through partnership with another employer, was given an opportunity. And he learned to hone his skills. He was given some additional training, some coaching, and now he's actually overseeing a production cell in Kidding for a large cybersecurity company. So there are stories like that. And really, whether you're disabled or not, we all really desire to be valued and, and respected for our experiences and our contributions to the workforce. Well, you, you said something that kind of stood out to me right at, at the beginning of that segment there, Tony, and that's that you know it's not necessarily that you know, people who are hiring or companies that are hiring are outright trying to discriminate against or say, oh, I don't want someone with a disability working for me, but instead sort of a lack of knowledge about, well, what does that really mean for my company? How might I have to modify my business processes? Like, what am I getting into? I'm just not sure. So I'll probably just take the easier route. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's, that's truly it. I think um, organizations, it's not due to not wanting to integrate, it's to your point, they're not quite sure how to make them successful, i.e. their company successful. So yes, it's a lack of, of education and training. So on that front, and I realize you've, you've essentially established that disability can obviously mean a lot of things. So this might be a, a, you know, a, a question that is kind of broad to answer, but you know, what kind of modifications to the way a business operates or accommodations do you find that manufacturers need to make, or maybe even a misperception of what they need to make. Just kind of curious to hear what, what you see on that front when hiring someone with a disability. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not much different when you introduce a person with a disability into a production environment, a manufacturing environment, than somebody that does not have a disability. The training, the coaching, the learning curve might be a little bit longer. The way this typically works is an individual will think about it almost reverse engineering a process. You break down all the different steps associated to that job expectation, and then you start at the basic fundamental elements, that person learns. And then over a progression of time, we'll start enhancing their skills to get the full scope of their particular job uh, tasks. So in some cases, there are some minor modifications that need to happen within the production cell. Organizations can educate companies on how to make those changes and still have the same productivity and output. 
There are also several accommodations that we can do from a fixturing perspective. So whether that be enhancement of a test bed uh, for a QA inspector, or maybe a simple production fixture for those that might have some dexterity problems. Uh, and those accommodations, Joe, typically range no more than five or $600 per person to make them successful. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Hiring and retaining frontline supply chain workers continues to be a major struggle in today's market. Workstep is a leading software provider that has partnered with manufacturing companies to help them better understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to improve it. Workstep has successfully helped many manufacturing companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn how you could do the same and protect your bottom line. So Tony, tell me a little bit about you know, like what are some of the jobs that you see, the types of jobs that you see people with maybe physical or mental disabilities taking on successfully? It really depends on, on the individual. Uh, everything is pretty person-centered around how we go about introducing a person with disability into the, the job environment. Uh, we have people that are frontline, that are part of a, a surface mount technology line, that are loading up feeders, pushing them through the, the factory. We've got assembler positions. We've got QA positions. We also have management positions. So again, it goes back to that comment about how uh, broad brush the term disability really is and how just depending on where they come, what skills they have, it's, uh, it's a fit. It's management. I've seen people that are overseeing uh, a water treatment plant, uh, overseeing a complete operation that have disabilities. People that have PhDs, just again, somewhere along their career, have established a disability. So it really depends on the individual and how you place them into a, a particular work environment. And if I could add really quick, I think part of that being uneducated comment, it, it also is that first impression. People really see perceived limitations when they're not educated versus what potentially they can accomplish. That's a great ad. Tony, are there any examples of, or success stories among manufacturing leaders who have done really exactly what you're advocating for today and successfully brought people with disabilities into their organization that you'd like to touch on? Absolutely. And there, there are a number of examples I could give you. But see, one of them is we, we have a longstanding partnership with a medical technology company where we help manufacture class two medical devices. These devices are used by every major sports team in America. This organization actually employs in their production cell about 30% of that population in that cell have some form of a disability. Uh, these individuals are part of meeting the rigorous quality and regulatory requirements of manufacturing medical devices and meeting the end customer's required delivery dates. Individuals in that particular cell have both developmental disabilities and, and physical disabilities. That's a, it's a great example of, of one I can think of. Another is an organization that manufactures, still in the medical device space, a CPAP device. And most people are aware of sleep apnea, of why people use medical devices of, of that nature. But in third world countries, the number one reason of child mortality is because of respiratory infection, because these devices are cost prohibitive. This organization employed people the same way. Uh, we reverse engineered the production cell. They were able to successfully reach out to an organization that was employing people with disabilities and are manufacturing these, these devices today. And they cater specifically to third world countries and emerging market spaces. 
So those are uh, readily available and examples. There's another one where we have uh, seen individuals with a sight impairment that are responsible for kitting and for assembly of products. They have used Braille to place on bin boxes so they know what products they're pulling out and their error rate is, is really low. So there are examples all over, whether it be in the manufacturing space, uh, commercial facility space, it really spans the gamut of industries that people with disabilities can in fact support. Tony, what have you found that it feels like to people with disabilities and also their families and support systems to be given a chance at enjoying the power of a paycheck and contributing to society? The dignity of a paycheck is a, it is a powerful thing. It, it establishes self-worth, a sense of community, and a, and a true sense of purpose. And purpose is powerful. Uh, but it's not just the individual with disability. It's their family support system. A lot of cases, if these individuals are, are not working, they're at home. In some cases, their family members have to take care of them. So that is either a part-time or a full-time job of care. When you move them out into the working environment, that's not the case anymore. So it allows those family members to go out there and, and do their own thing. It allows individuals with disabilities to, to earn a paycheck and, and perhaps move out on their own and, and have kind of an independent life. So it's not just the individual. It's not just the companies that they work at, but it's also their family structure. So yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful thing when an individual is placed and able to work and contribute to society. I imagine so. And on the flip side, what's it feel like to a manufacturing leader to know that they've helped change somebody's life? It's, so I could speak personally to, to that. I can give an example where I've toured factories before uh, where an individual with disabilities working in a production line will come up and say, I'd like to share with you my, my first cell phone bill. This is the first one that I've been able to pay for for myself. There are other uh, CEOs that I've seen that share similar stories where they've been able to go out there and purchase their, their very own first home. So those are the stories and highlights that you see. Uh, there's also been a, a huge benefit to organizations by incorporating people with disabilities. Uh, the big focus around ESG, right? Environmental, uh, social responsibility and, and governance. A lot of investors and really even consumers are looking at companies that high, have high ESG ratings. And by looking at this particular demographic, incorporating them into their environment, they have higher ratings, higher profitabilities, lower overall absenteeism, greater profitability. So there's a financial benefit, but there's also that intrinsic a heartfelt benefit of just knowing that you've got this population that are able to meet the needs of the company and the products and the consumers they're selling to. It's a powerful thing. What would you say to a business owner that might be hesitant to hire people with disabilities right now? Yeah, I would, I would first start on that, that comment about um, absenteeism. The individuals with disabilities, the, on the average, have much lower absenteeism rates than, than those that are non-disabled. Also, better retention rates as well. So there is definitely benefit. The longer learning curve is something that is easily overcome. But the sustainable output is something that I've not experienced before uh, jumping into this particular market space, uh, both uh, manufacturing and employing people with disabilities. An example of that is a company that we've partnered with before that was in the food manufacturing space. During their seasonality spikes, they would bring on what most organizations do 
is uh, the temp pool, right? The contracted temp agencies bring them in, produce their products, and, and ship them out. This organization also decided to hire people with disabilities. That longer learning curve was there, but over time, they were able to produce, actually outproduce those, those temps. They'd get bored and, and burn out over time. Uh, the folks with disabilities it wouldn't. They'd be sustainable at the particular requirement output level, and the defect rate was significantly lower. So there's a huge benefit to consider this population, and I think just more people need to be uh, educated, uh, need to know how to go about making those connections. And that's one thing I, I'd love to point out. Most states have departments of rehabilitation. There are a lot of organizations out there, nonprofit organizations, with missions to create employment for people with disabilities. So there's a lot of resources out there. It's just taking the time and energy to, to make those connections. Right. So Tony, Pride Industries is a really unique operation from everything I know. Can you tell us a little bit about Pride and where the company fits into this conversation that we're having today? Yeah, absolutely. So Pride Industries is a, a social enterprise. What that means is we em- employ the same type of commercial strategies that our competition does. Just at the end of the day, we go back and reinvest in the organization and the mission, which is to create employment for people with disabilities. Uh, we do so by serving customers in the manufacturing and logistics service space, as well as the facilities management space, both uh, federal and commercial. The organization has been in business since the mid-60s. We started like most nonprofits do. Everything was kind of hand-to-mouth. But uh, in the mid-80s, we made the change to operate more like a for-profit. And so what we look to is to deliver business excellence with a positive social impact. So we go out there, we recruit those subject matter experts in whatever discipline that we need, and then we sell and cater our services to those industries. And then we just have this, this great social mission that we can put on top of it. It's not our customer's mission, but sometimes does become the differentiator. We've got great past performance in those industries that I made reference to. In the manufacturing space, we have received global recognition, both in supply chain management and manufacturing. We do, for a large Fortune 100 company, all of their logistics support in both North and South America. From a manufacturing perspective, uh, we manufacture medical products that are uh, sold and delivered across 90 different countries. And again, we do so by incorporating about 50% of our population have some form of a disability. That's really great. Tony, where would you point our guests if they're interested in learning more about hiring people with disabilities? I imagine Pride is a great resource for that. And, and you know, Tell us where, where you'd go. If they're thinking, geez, I, I need to learn more about this. I need to figure out if this could work for my business. Yeah. So Pride Industries is currently in 15 different states in DC. So I'd love to start with uh, prideindustries.com, reaching out, taking a look at our website, see if there's something that meets the needs. As I've indicated also uh, in a previous uh, response, there are a lot of different organizations out there in a multitude of states that you can reach out to nonprofits. And then the state level Department of Rehabilitation, they have a, a pool of individuals that are qualified, work ready that might be able to provide some solutions as well. Beautiful. So check out Pride Industries. And Tony, how about if our listeners would like to get in touch with you? What's the best way to, where's the best place to find you? Best place to find me would be be my my email address, Mm -hmm. tony.lopez 
at prideindustries.com. I'd certainly love to, to talk to any of your viewership that uh, may want to learn a little bit more about the organization or may have a need to partner with Pride where we can offer services uh, both in the manufacturing space as well as others. That's great. Tony, you really love this topic. I, I believe in what you guys are doing and um, I'm glad we get to get this message out there. So thanks for doing this today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for allowing us uh, to, to talk to you today and, and share our stories and talk about how uh, industry is shaping with this, this great uh, population of people that have typically have not had an opportunity to compete. Well, thanks, Tony. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. Before we go, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Workstep. Workstep's software helps companies hire and retain their frontline workforce across the supply chain. Visit workstep.com to learn more. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.